Hello and welcome to the Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Chase. This is a place where women share their unique pregnancy journeys, birth stories and postpartum experiences. We hope to help educate future mothers and allow them to have a safe and positive experience. So since birthing my daughter and becoming a mum, I believe sharing our experiences helps us process them, as well as educates parents-to-be on what may lie ahead. So due to the topics that we're discussing, please do be mindful around little ears. Now on to the show. Hello, welcome to the Birth Stories podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has listened to the episodes so far. I really do appreciate it and we'll keep putting episodes out every week. This week I got to speak to the lovely Hannah. She told me all about her emergency caesarean section with her son Alexander, which actually was under general anaesthetic and caused quite a bit of birth trauma for her. And then how she sort of got through that and was prepared to have another baby and wanted to have a VBAC. So if you're not aware, VBAC actually means um, vaginal birth after caesarean. Um, I think a lot of people do just assume that if you've had one caesarean, it has to be done the following with any following pregnancies. Um, but it's, it's really not the case and it's 100% worth speaking to your health providers about um, if it's something you do want to give a go. But yeah, we hear about um, what Hannah did and um, any prep that she went through to get her VBAC and also how healing it was after her first birth. But yeah, let me know if you enjoyed this episode and subscribe to make sure that you hear each episode every week. And I will see you later. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. No problem. Really looking forward to talking with you. Bless you. I was just thinking, actually, before I clicked record, did both of your kids go down to sleep okay? Are they good sleepers? They are. Once they're asleep, yes, they are good sleepers. Um, My son tends to kind of tear around his room playing and stuff, which is fine. My daughter's been going through a bit of a tricky phase in terms of actually going to bed. But once they're asleep, they tend to be out of the counter until morning. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. Oh, that's so good. I was slightly concerned because we're doing this at half seven at night. And Bonnie, we've just had to re-sleep train her because we were away a lot. And I was like, there's probably a high chance that she's going to be screaming the house down when we start recording. <laughs> People are going to think my Yeah, especially if you've got something to do. But... <laughs> yeah. so luckily tonight she was really good um good but yeah tell me about you and your family um so uh I'm Hannah I'm 36 I live with my husband Edward um my two children I've got Alexander who's four Isabel who's two I've got my silly black lab bramble and we have a chicken as well and we live in Essex just outside Chelmsford I didn't know you had a chicken as well. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mabel. So cute. Fresh eggs. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, and so probably just disclaimer, I do know Hannah. I'm best friends with Hannah's younger sister. So if I do know some like random details, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so with your son, Alexander, were you trying to feel pregnant when you did? Were you sort of trying or was it a bit of a surprise? 
Uh, no, we were trying. Um, we'd been married for about 18 months. Um, and, you know, we've, we've been together like 11 years or something by that point. So it was just a logical next step. Um, we were very lucky. We actually got pregnant first go. Um, so it was... Oh, my it was, God, that's we were, amazing. Yeah. So even though obviously we were trying, it was still quite a surprise because you hear lots of stories about it, you know, for some people it's taking a long time. So I was a bit shocked that it was, uh, yeah, first time. So, yeah, we were very lucky. Bless you. And were you sort of tracking your cycle and like eagerly taking a pregnancy test when you were like coming up to your period? Yeah, so I'd actually come off the pill about nine months before kind of like before we knew we wanted to start trying just because I wanted to kind of I wanted to get to know my body um, because I'd been on the pill for so many years and I wasn't having periods when I was on it. So I just wanted to kind of get all the hormones out of my system and like properly kind of get to know how my cycle works so I was tracking my cycle um on an app so I knew kind of when would be the kind of the good time to like try um and then the first day that my period was due I took a pregnancy test because I was just so excited I was like I can't wait I can't wait even for it to be a day late I'm gonna I'm gonna do it now and yeah it was yeah and then my first reaction was like oh I want to tell my mom oh so good (laughs) yeah (laughs) Did you tell your family straight away or did you sort of wait? No, I waited a little bit. We waited, I think I was about eight or nine weeks. I didn't wait until 12 weeks, um, but I waited. I think we waited mm. just a few weeks just to kind of make sure that everything, you know, because I think the kind of riskiest stage is right at the beginning. So we, um, yeah, we waited a few weeks, but yeah. I just couldn't wait anymore. I couldn't wait anymore. <laughs> I know, so exciting. And how were you feeling? Did you have any sort of symptoms of being pregnant or did you feel fine? Uh, Right at the beginning, I was fine. So at the time I took my pregnancy test, I didn't notice anything. But I would say a week or two after that, I felt really sick. Um, I actually did what wasn't sick with Alexandra, I think maybe once, but I was really nauseous um, and exhausted. I've never known tiredness like it. You know, I'd come home from work at kind of seven o'clock and I'd just go to bed because I was so tired. Um, yeah. I was commuting five days a week at the time as well into London. I look back and like, oh how my gosh, struggling on the train into London, especially when you're nauseous as well. Yeah, really nauseous, and I had a real aversion to coffee. Oh my, same. And oh, you like it's bad. It's the one it's time bad. you need yeah, it. Yeah, but also when you're in an office and everybody's drinking coffee around you and you can't tell anybody, please stop drinking it. You make yeah. you feel really sick and you can't do it. So, yeah, I just had to kind of keep my head Bless down. You. You're such a trooper for getting through that. I think I eventually told my manager and just didn't go in until I stopped feeling sick at about 13, 14 weeks and just worked from home. Yeah, oh, well done. I should have done that, really. Bless you. I should have done that. So when did your sickness stop around the sort of 12 week mark? It's about 13, 14 weeks, I think. Um, and after that, my pregnancy was really smooth. Oh, I had good. a very straightforward pregnancy after that. Like I didn't really have any issues. So um, yeah, I'm very lucky. In that. Like I said, I, never, I wasn't actually ever sick. It was just that nauseous feeling. So, like, I felt just hung over, permanently hung over for 13 weeks or something and then it just then it just magically it's like yeah oh my god that's how I described it and then it just magically went away and then you know you feel great and you wake up one day and then it's gone yeah Mm. 
I always found they like when I woke up and it'd be gone, I'd be like, oh my God, something's yes. wrong. And I would wish for it to yes. come back. <laughs> and then it would come back and I'd be like, why did I do that? <laughs> Absolutely. I was like, well, you know, the fact that I'm feeling ill no. is a good sign. It's a good sign. But yeah, always, it was grim. Yeah. So bittersweet. So you, did you, you enjoyed your pregnancy there? I know sometimes it's, people find it really tough, but you, you felt fine being pregnant. And- yes. Yeah, it. I did. I did. I really enjoyed with him particularly. I did. I really enjoyed my pregnancy. I mean, we went away and we did lots of kind of stuff because we knew obviously it's difficult to kind of do some some of these things when you're when you're away. Like we did kind of a baby moon in Japan, and I was I was five six months pregnant then, and I was hiking wow. up hills and running around Tokyo doing thirty thousand steps a day and stuff, and eating anything I could get my hands on. It was great. Yeah, I felt absolutely fine. Amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. So um, pregnancy, or birth-wise even, did you sort of know much about birth? I know, obviously, your mum has four <laughs> girls, so I don't know if you'd ever spoken to her about her labours and stuff like that. Um, a little bit. I mean, I knew that actually mums were all fairly straightforward um, on the whole, I think, um, but I hadn't really kind of spoken to her in depth about them. Um, I didn't know a lot about it. I'd only had one or two friends who'd had babies by that point um and their births were very straightforward as well um I did um I did hypnobirthing and I did NCT so I tried to get myself as educated on it as possible um but like I avoided things like um like one born every minute and although basically I just didn't want to watch anything to do with birth because I was like oh, what if there's something scary on there like I don't I only wanted to surround myself with the positive stuff yeah yeah and did you do was that the same the second time round? did you only look at sort of positive stories or did you the second time round? no look at both no second time I looked at both I was I, I was like I want to know everything any possible event any possible yeah. eventuality and what might happen um and I think with what happened with my first, I think um, I was, I was, I think my eyes were open a bit more in terms of what can happen. So I was like, well, I want to educate myself this time and make sure I yeah. know everything that's going on so I can be prepared. It's tough. I think it's such a fine line of like just wanting to know the positive so that you're, you have a positive outlook yourself and you don't feel scared. But also, mm. like, if something is to happen and go wrong, knowing what's happening so you feel slightly more in control, not in control, but um, you're not sort of looking at doctors and nurses questioning them and you, you have some idea of what's happening to you or your baby, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So towards the end of your pregnancy, how were you feeling? Um, were you sort of doing anything to try and induce labour naturally or anything like that? So, um, I, don't, I don't think I was, but I remember I was getting really frustrated because he went 10 days overdue. And so I'd done NCT, there were eight of us in the group, and based on due dates, I should have had my baby third. And all these girls kept having their babies. And I, remember crying to my husband one night like it's my turn where's my baby baby's (laughs) never coming out (laughs) oh I was I was just getting so frustrated (laughs) obviously like that's not how it works right but I think I ended up being sick it's not easy to think of that at the time no it isn't so yes so six girls had their babies before me 
um, I ended up having two stretch and sweeps. Um, the first one didn't do anything. Um, the second, I'm not sure whether the second one did anything. Um, I went into labor, I think two days after that. Um, but actually the midwife after that one, she was like, you just need to relax. You just need to go home. She was like, go home, have a bath, have a glass of wine and just relax. I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Have a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. She was Great like, when advice. you come, when you come in, <laughs> when you come in in labor, we're going to be throwing everything at you. So a glass of wine at this point is not going to make any difference. I was like, okay, I like that advice. It doesn't make a difference. No. And had you seen the same midwife um, for all your appointments or was it sort of like a group of midwives? Um, I can't remember now. I think it was. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I think it was one or two midwives um I know it was definitely a group of midwives for my mm-hmm. second one but I think it was one or two that I tended to see for my first one I can't really remember now that's okay and had you um planned to give birth at hospital or a birth center so I'd actually wanted to go to a birthing center there were a couple near me so I lived kind of in the like in the middle of a triangle of two birth centers and a hospital um, each of them were about 10, 15 minute oh, cool. drive. Um, so we went and looked at one of the birthing centers and it was so nice. You know, it was like the massive, great big rooms. They all had a birthing pool. Mm. They had this lovely postnatal bit afterwards where, you know, they had like a big double bed so your partner could stay. Um, it was all like twinkly lights and everything. And it was all, it was all midwife led and, you know, everything I'd read and, all, you know, all the kind of like hypnobirthing stuff was all like, you know, that's the way forward and I was like I love this this is great that's so that's what I wanted to do I didn't want to go anywhere near the Mm -hmm. hospital that was the plan anyway (laughs) and so when you went overdue were you able to still go to the birthing center yeah there um, there, there was certainly no indication that I couldn't um no one told me that I couldn't um I I guess if I'd had to be induced then I probably would have well I think I would have had to have gone to the hospital but um but at that point, they weren't. Yeah, I think so. Induction. Yeah, you were able to go to the birthing centre. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what they said. I think it was only if I was going to be induced, I would have had to have gone to the hospital. Brilliant. And so what were your first signs of labour then? It was um, the most obvious sign there is. My water broke. So I woke up at oh. four o'clock in the morning just to, go to the loo, just to go to the loo, you know, for the 10th time that night or whatever. And I got into the bathroom and it was like comedy water breaking. You know, I think because lots of them, they talk about it's just going to be a little bit. Yeah, it like was not. Trickle. It was massive. Oh, my gosh. No, it was like the, <laughs> it was loads, <laughs> but it was bright green. So that's obviously so a bit meconium. of a worry. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um so um, I wasn't having contractions or anything at that point. So, but my waters had just gone. Mm. Um, so I called the hospital, um, and they was they said, um, yeah, it's probably meconium in your waters. Um, so yeah, you need to come down just for us to have a look. So I got to the hospital probably about five o'clock in the morning. By the time I got there, um, and they checked me, and they're like, yeah, you do have. In, the, in your water so we're gonna um take you up to the labor ward um at that point I was having very very mild contractions like really mild I wasn't even sure whether they were contractions at that point 
Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, and yes, yeah, so very, very mild. Um, they, they took me up to the labor ward and they, they just kind of monitored me for an hour or so just to see whether I would kind of, things would get going on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but after probably an hour, hour and a half, um, I was still having these very, very mild contractions, but basically I think they were like, it's not enough. I think we need to kind of get things going for you. Um, so at that point they said, um, we're going to put you on the hormone drip. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that obviously lots of, you know, I'd heard lots of kind of stories, stories about the hormone yeah. drip and, you know, it's, you know, yeah, exactly. So actually they, they did say to me before they put the drip in, they said, do you want an epidural now? Um, and I think I'd read, I think I'd read some statistics, something like 95% of women who have the hormone drip end up having an epidural. Um, mm. And I still to this day don't understand why I did this, but I was like, no, I won't have the epidural now. I'll just see how I get on. And it's like, mm. why did I do that? <laughs> um, but I think, I think part of it was. No, I don't. Um, I think I probably would do the same. I think I just wanted to experience it. I wanted yeah. to know kind of what it was, what it was like, what a proper contraction felt like. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. Also, I feel like if you did hypnobirthing, a lot of hypnobirthing is sort of um, try and reduce as much sort of, um, what's the word? I've forgotten the word. Uh, intervention. Sort of when people, intervention, that's it. So um, try and reduce as many interventions as possible. So I probably would have thought in my mind, well, if I have that, you know, maybe I can try try something a bit less sort of um, intense, first of all, or something like that. So I I totally understand why you may have made that decision. And yeah, you kind of want to experience it and be like, okay, I I just Mm. want to feel what it's like and see how I go. Exactly, exactly. Um, But then again, I don't know how painful they are when you've got the hormone drip in, so... (laughs) uh very it's easy for me to say <laughs> um they they <laughs> yeah they come thick and fast um so it got to the point where so I, I actually managed all right for the first couple of hours I was actually managing okay um I was um like doing my breathing and then after a while I went on had some gas and air as well but then it got to the point where I was having back-to-back contractions with no break in between um my husband was saying that he was looking at the monitor mm. and he could see that when it was kind of dropping back, it wasn't dropping back like to zero or whatever it should be. It was dropping back to like a tiny bit and then it was ramping back up again. So oh. at that point, I think this was now about midday, one o'clock. So, um, yeah, so I was like, at that point, I was like, no, I, I need an epidural now. Um, and something I don't think I appreciated was that when you asked for an epidural, it obviously um, takes a bit of time. So I was like, get me my epidural now. Actually, it's going to be a good 45 minutes, even if anesthetist is available. Oh, my gosh. Um, which, thankfully, he was. So thankfully, the anesthetist was around. Um, and so he um, so he came. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, it was, it was all kind of put in place within, I think, mm-hmm. about an hour. But that was still an hour. A really long time when you're in that much pain how did you find getting that administered then so it must be yeah. so uncomfortable having to sit there through the contractions 
yeah it was and um I I, I think is I don't remember anything about the epidural I don't remember any pain I don't remember anything other than this stuff they um put on your back to I think it's to mm. clean it it's freezing cold and that's all I remember oh. I don't remember the, the needle going in I don't remember anything like that I just remember the whatever wipe it was being really really cold um but the relief of it was almost instant. it's funny it what the memory good. does isn't it yeah yeah it does uh you know like it was it was instant relief though it was brilliant bless you amazing that's so good and well yeah had they um checked to see how dilated you were before they gave you the epidural do you know what? I can't remember now. Um, I think they must have done. Okay. I think I was about four or five centimetres at that point. Um, okay. Yeah, about four or five, something like that. <clears throat> so I was on my way. Yeah, defo. And so you've had the epidural. Your Could you walk or was it sort of you were restricted to the bed then? No, I, I couldn't walk with it. So I was restricted to the bed. Um, but actually I didn't care. It was like the mood in the room just totally changed. My husband said, it's like, you're, it was like you were a new woman. Um, you know, I was suddenly like, oh, such a relief. So I didn't mind that I was now restricted to the bed and kind of my movements were a bit more limited. I didn't care. Um, and you know, he, my husband then went and like, he got something to eat. Um, cause you know, he'd been up since what, four o'clock in the morning. It was now about two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we just, you know, things all progressed from there. It was all, um, all seemed to be going to plan. Um, they did start to have worries about his heartbeat. Um, so his heartbeat had started to kind of dip. And so they were kind of monitoring me for that. And they were a bit worried about that. Um, and, you know, it was all, things were all kind of, seemed okay and then suddenly it was like they couldn't get a proper heart rate on him at all and so they wanted to put um you could they can put this thing on the baby's head so if, if you're dilated enough mm-hmm. which was okay, at this point I, I, again I can't remember what time this was but exactly yeah and so at this point I was I remember I was six centimeters they were trying to put the clip on his head and I think they did manage to get it on his head and that's the point where everything kind of shifted and started getting a bit scary. Um, Gosh. So this would have been, I, I can't, again, I was probably about half past three at this point. They couldn't get, um, they couldn't get a proper reading on his heartbeat. And I, it's all a bit of a blur, but what I remember was them, so I was sitting up at this point they made me lie down, they made me get on my side so they could try and, I don't know, move him around or move me around to try and get it. And then suddenly a buzzer was pressed on the wall of the room. The room filled up with people. And then, and I don't remember this, but my husband remembered it, them saying, code red, code red. And I was just rushed out of the room um sorry this is quite making making me feel a bit emotional no honestly Um, please take your time um, as well don't feel like there's any rush so I was rushed out of the room um my husband couldn't come with me 
um he had to stay in the room i was run down the down the hall into an operating theater the um the nurse who was with me sorry the midwife who was with me was explaining we're going to have to do an emergency cesarean um and basically i don't know whether it was the epidural wasn't sufficient or it hadn't been topped up enough or whatever but they said um, we're going to have to give you a general anesthetic now this is something about talking earlier about not kind of being prepared i didn't know that this is something that could happen mm-hmm. i didn't know that they even did cesareans under general general anesthetic but they basically had to get me under then and there they must have been so worried about the baby mm-hmm. um and I mean, literally, I the last thing I remember is them putting the mask on my face and they were prepping me while they were doing it. And that was the last thing I remember. And the buzzer was pressed on the wall of my room at four o'clock and my baby was born at five past four. Oh so that's God. how quick they got me from that room to Alexander being born. Jesus Christ. Jesus and it's just so unfair like you had the epidural like why couldn't do you know what I mean but obviously obviously in hindsight you think as long as Alexander's okay and they get him out but yeah I just so and did they explain to you you're gonna go to sleep was Was there any sort of explanation on the way to theatre like this is what we think's happening with the baby no other than we so can't tough. get a heartbeat or we or his heart rate's low um it was very much a we need to get you into theater we need to um we need to get the baby out now is basically what i was told um thankfully baby was fine Your husband um, just sort of left behind i know i know and you know what? i think i think the whole experience certainly on the day was so much worse for him because obviously i was unconscious so I you know within five minutes I had no idea what was going on but he was just left in that room on his own having no idea what was going on no idea what was going on Mm. with me no idea what was going on with the baby um until uh, you know 20 minutes later or something they brought Alexander out to him so um and he said that was amazing that obviously they brought him out so that he could do some skin to skin as soon as Alexander was born but he said that they, he was asking them, oh, is Hannah okay? And they weren't able to answer him, which, you know. It's terrifying. That must have been so frightening for him. Yeah, so frightening for him. The last thing he sees is me being wheeled down the corridor, and now they're like, yeah. Well, so you've got this newborn baby. You've not yeah. had a, it's your first baby. You don't know what you're doing. And, like, your wife is in surgery. You have no idea how she is, and they're not communicating with you. Like, what's going on? No, I mean, I don't understand why they couldn't tell him that I was okay, because as far as I'm yeah. aware that I was fine, there was there were mm. no issues with me. I mean, I was brought out of theatre quite quickly afterwards. Um, and thankfully, Alexander was absolutely fine. Um, they, they still don't know why his heart rate drops. Um, you know, it's, there were no indications from when he was born that he um you know that he was in any kind of trouble mm. um the only thing that they said said is just possibly because he was so overdue um and obviously his um there was meconium in the water he was obviously a bit distressed 
Um, so they thought that maybe it was just something to do with that. But, um, you know, thankfully they were able to get him out and he was absolutely fine. And I was fine. You know, I was fine. Yeah, once, thank God. Once I came around from surgery, I was fine. Yeah, so where did you wake up? Were you in recovery? Yeah. Did you Could you remember what had happened? I bet you were just like, where is my baby? But to be honest, I, the thing is, I wasn't because you, you're kind of, you're all like all over the place when you come out, when you come off a general anaesthetic. You, you, I remember as I was kind of being taken into recovery, talking about my dog. I remember talking to my, talking to the dog. Yeah, I suppose you're filled with so many drugs, you don't know what's going no, on. No, no idea what was going on. But as soon as I remember coming round into the room, I remember... Um, my husband sitting there with Alexandra on him and then they brought Alexandra over to me and he started feeding almost straight away which was really really lovely and that was really special especially given what had happened to get that um like so special yeah yeah, yeah it was to get that bond with him was lovely bond straight away mm, absolutely yeah and had you always planned to breastfeed that, yeah, that was my plan. Um, so um, it was something that I really, really wanted to give a good go at. Um, you know, I got lots of support when I was in the hospital for that, um, which was great because, you know, it's a struggle at first. It is hard. Um, and, um, yeah, so I got I got lots of support um, from when I was in the hospital. They helped me out with that. And like, I, he seemed to be feeding really well while I was in the hospital. So, um Actually, at the time, they told me that I could go home. They did say to me, oh, do you want to go to the postnatal um, ward down at the birthing centre? And looking back, I wish I said yes. I wish I'd said, yeah, I'll, that would be lovely to go over there and, you know, get an extra day of support. But I think at that point, I just wanted to get out of the hospital. You know, I just obviously it hadn't been mm. great while, I, while I'd been in there. And um, the kind of the postnatal ward that I was on in the hospital, there were three other women in there and trying to get any sleep at all when you're in a room with three other women and three other babies it's just it's just impossible I just wanted to go home I just wanted to be in my own house basically um but they um and so did you stay there for a night or was it sort of the same day you went home so one night so Alexander was born at 4 p.m and then they let me go home about 24 hours later I mean looking back it's just madness you know you go through major surgery especially rushed major mm-hmm. surgery and then 24 hours later mm-hmm. you're packed off home I, I, my mom was like I can't believe they sent you home that you should have been in there longer um but again like I said I just wanted to get I just wanted to get home I just wanted to be out of the hospital I wanted to be in my own bed you know out of there without anybody else around basically and could your husband stay with you again if you're on a ward I'm not sure how it works I didn't stay on a ward it was more of like a a room? Uh, no. So he stayed with me. Sorry. <coughs> we um we were moved into a kind of like a private room um for a bit after um he'd been born after because they needed to wait for the epidural and stuff to wear off. Because so obviously I still had that in my sisters. They had to make sure that, that had all worn off. Um, and so we did go to a room just the two of us until about. I think it was about midnight and that's when I was moved down to the postnatal ward and he had to go home. And you've just had major surgery and you, you're not really supposed to lift anything heavy or that must have been so hard doing it on your own without your husband there after all of that. Yeah I was really frightened I didn't want him to go home 
I wanted him to stay. I was like, why? How, how am I supposed to look after this baby on my own? I mean, obviously, I know that you've got, you know, you've got the... Oh, look, myself. The, how am I meant to look after myself? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was like, well, I'll just hobble around, I suppose. But, um, you know, you obviously, you've got midwives and stuff on hand. But I was like, well, not all the time. You know, they're not sitting next no. to the bed helping. You know, it's like, I don't know how to change mm. a nappy. What if he's sick? What, Mm-mm. you know, what do I... Uh, what do I do here? Especially if you're trying to breastfeed as well. Yeah, You're just exactly. constantly hungry and crying the first night or two. Yeah, yeah. He actually slept a lot, and I think probably he'd had, you know, he'd had a very tiring day, bless him, um, and probably quite a rude awakening into the world. But So he was very, very tired. He actually slept most of that first night. Yeah. Um, but, um, oh, yeah, good. so, um, but... Yeah, so that was quite nice. So, but I didn't get any sleep at all. So I think I was just so worried about him. I was like, I'm just going to have to watch him. Oh, yeah. Check that they're breathing. Every t- I still do it now. <laughs> She's like eight months old. I know. It's horrible. I know. <laughs> Bless you. So you get home, you've got your new beautiful baby. Did you know you were having a boy? Yes. Yeah, we were too excited to wait. I, um, I mean, I've... I love that some people keep it a, keep it a surprise until the baby's born. I mean, our view is like, well, it's still a surprise, even if we find out at 20 weeks rather than 40. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I was like, I, I want to plan, I want to get clothes, I want to um, like do their room and all this. So, yeah, we found out. Yeah, same. I wanted to like be able to visualise them a little bit more. Um, Absolutely. It, it just felt, felt, feels a bit more real, doesn't it? going to say how was your recovery when you got home how was breastfeeding how was Alexander doing the recovery was really really tough um and I think anybody who says a c-section is an easy way out has not had a c-section because it's you know you're in a lot of pain Um, I I was on round the clock pain medication like um, paracetamol and ibuprofen and oromorph um and I, I mean, I struggled to even get further than the end of my garden for the first three weeks because I just found walking so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some people, some people find it easier than that. I know other people who've had C-sections who've found, who have found it easier than that, but I found it very difficult and I found the recovery very hard. Um, and he was feeding well, but I was in quite a lot of pain from the feeding. I think maybe his latch wasn't right. Um, Mm. So I did get some support. I went to um, a breastfeeding clinic. Um, Again, managed to kind of hobble my way there. Um, Amazing. Yeah, my my husband took me there because you can't drive the first six weeks after you've had a C-section. So I was really reliant on him. No, that's so hard. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, So. And I take it, how long did your husband have off work? He had four weeks. Okay, more than most, but still it's nothing and you're still left for two weeks without being able to drive exactly and I felt really kind of trapped and I like housebound with that um my mum came up and helped a lot yeah very much so my mum came and helped a lot and my mother-in-law was very helpful as well um but yeah they took me to yeah um and I also did a no I remember I remember I did a kind of postnatal NCT group which I found really helpful and that was really good for kind of like a bit more support and they were really good with feeding and stuff um, but after about oh, a month, um, like his feeding just clicked and just, you know, the pain went away. He settled with it. 
I was a lot more comfortable with it. So um, from then, breastfeeding was really easy. Um, so I was very lucky that, you know, we just oh, kind of so got, good. We, yeah, we got there and, and then it was very easy. Amazing. Well done you, because it is bloody hard. Mm. Yeah, for something that's supposed to be so natural, it's, um, it's a bit of a struggle, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously you'd had such a traumatic birth. Had you had much conversation with like your midwives afterwards or how did you feel like reflecting on it and I I don't know if you um knew that you'd want to have children in the future did you have any idea of how like future births may look or was that not even a sort of something that you were thinking about at the time uh, no it was something I was very much thinking about and I was worried about it um and actually my hospital I don't know whether all hospital all hospital trusts do this um but my hospital do something called um birth reflections where you can get your notes and you can sit down and talk with a um, a midwife or a doctor about what happened so I organized that so I got hold of my notes went through my notes I found fascinating I loved reading through my notes it's really interesting to see kind of um yeah I really really want to get mine yeah I I don't see any reason why you can't get hold of them I don't I'm sure you're entitled to them they will know um but yeah, so I did. Especially um, I did, for you, because but... a lot of it you were out of it for, and you weren't sort of in the moment. What well, you were literally unconscious of part of it, and others, but it's probably mm. a complete blur to you. Maybe your memory has blocked things out, or I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think absolutely, and, and I think getting the notes was helpful, and speaking to um, a doctor about what happened was really helpful. Um, and they actually recommended that I did I um, some like hypnotherapy which I did um, about six to nine months later, um, which was really Mm. helpful. And that helped me process a lot of it. um, So I could kind of, because I was worried about um, having another baby and it happening again. um, But it was quite clear from my notes and from what I'd spoken to the doctors about that the problem was something to do with the baby, not to do with me, and that it was just really bad luck um and they were all kind of at pains to stress it's mm. very unlikely that this would happen again like, it's very rare that that happens um so it would be very very unlucky mm-hmm. for it to happen twice yeah because you know you hadn't been in labor for really like for days when you got to five centimeters and had the epidural so like you you were progressing and your body was doing its thing and doing what it needed to do mm-hmm. Um, and your water's breaking on their own is like an amazing sign exactly. to begin with. Mm, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, they weren't worried that, you know, that there'd be any kind of major red flags for a future pregnancy or anything like that, which was obviously very reassuring. Really good. And the hypnobirthing, that's amazing that you had that. Was that on the NHS or was that something you had to do privately? Oh, the hypnotherapy. Um, I, yeah, I did that mm. privately. Okay, amazing. It's a shame it's not um, on the NHS because I think people have so much birth trauma and it, it must put you off for such a long time of having more children and, and change your path slightly. So it's great to know that that is an option, though, um, and just a shame it's not more accessible for everyone. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position that I was able to afford it. Well, she wasn't, she wasn't outrageously expensive, but obviously I know that for some people that's just not an option. Mm. Um, 
or it might be that you just don't have anybody nearby who can do it um, and I had someone who was down the road who did it and she was fantastic she helped me process it a lot and like you say I know I think a lot of people do have traumatic births and you're just kind of left to deal with it and you know it's it does mm. kind of rear its head in funny ways and you know it's it's a lot to process oh, I'm so so glad you got the help yeah you too so then we have beautiful Isabel how when did you feel ready for another baby when did you or was it a surprise were you trying um no so funnily enough I think my hormones kicked in around nine months and I was like I really want another baby um but my husband and I were like no now <laughs> now is not the time for another baby um but um like you said at the beginning I'm one of four so and my husband's one of three so we knew we wanted um at least one more child um, and we knew that we wanted them close in age. Um, so we we kind of tried to time it strategically. So um, we waited until after Christmas when Alexander was 15 months, because we were like, if we start trying now, if we get pregnant now, then she'll, you know, it will be a September, October baby. That's quite a nice time for schools and things like that. So we, um, and also I was like, I wanted yeah. to go through Christmas not being pregnant. I want to eat the nice cheeses and I want to drink the nice drinks. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah we waited until after Christmas so Alexander was 15 months old and yeah started trying again in the January and again got really lucky pregnant first time again very so lucky. good you fertile thing that is amazing <laughs> no. <laughs> I know we have to be really careful now <laughs> yeah I bet <laughs> so you get number three <laughs> yeah no, that is so amazing. And was that just the same thing again? You were um, tracking your periods and you were a day, you sort of, it was the day your period was due. Yeah, of my, although my period, I'd only had two periods because I breastfed Alexander until uh, 14 months. Oh, of course. So I'd only, so my periods came back uh, around a year. Um, and obviously because I was still breastfeeding, they were they weren't regular um they were all a bit all over the place and so yeah I only had two when I fell pregnant with Isabel um so I was tracking it but I don't know how useful that was I don't know what I think we just got lucky with that because I mm -hmm. just had no idea you know actually so where my period was going to be yeah amazing and how was this pregnancy like the first trimester um in comparison to Alexander's oh it was so tough I mean Alexander I felt nauseous Isabel I was sick really sick uh like every oh evening gosh. I was ill and with when you've got a toddler it was so difficult and he would go to bed and I was like I'm going to bed so I just felt really really poorly um you know there is a bit of an old wives tale that it's women that it's girls that make you sicker and certainly that was my experience I was much sicker with her but thank god I've by this, that. this was after covid so this was 2021 so um it was still you know everybody was still working from home full-time so thank god I was full-time working from home at this point so I could just kind of like lie down and, and just pop my head up when I was on meetings and just, and I was showing really early as well I was showing oh, from about 10 you. 11 weeks so there is no way I would have been able to hide it if I'd been going into the office yeah bless you and so when did the sickness ease up 17 weeks oh my god so late that is so unfair with a bait with a toddler I know. oh my gosh i know i remember it so 
I remember so clearly it was 17 weeks. <laughs> oh my god I actually don't know what I... that is the one thing that's like rubbish is you don't actually know when it's gonna stop and that's kind of one of the worst parts because you think this could probably go on this could actually be the rest of my life now obviously it's not but it feels like that at the time <laughs> yeah I mean I, I remember actually because it was it was it was always in the evenings and it was like brushing my teeth and um, made me feel really sick I remember actually calling my dentist being like what do I do about yeah, this? Because, like, well, surely that's not good. And they were like, just don't, just don't brush your teeth if it's going to make you sick. Like in the evening, don't brush your teeth because there's no point in you brushing your teeth and then immediately getting sick. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so, so useless. Bless you. That is so tough. Um, but after that 17 weeks, how were you feeling? Did you were you able to enjoy the rest of your pregnancy? So with, with Isabel, I actually got um, pelvic girdle pain, which is, um, I don't think they really know what it is, but I just got, it was, you know, it just got pain in my pelvis, um, which progressively got harder and harder kind of throughout the pregnancy. So by the end, I was finding walking really difficult. And Alexander was still so little, you know, he was only, he was, he was under two, so he still wanted to be carried a lot. And I was just thinking, I can't carry you around so I feel like it's silly but I feel like I feel quite guilty about like not being as present for him as I could have been because obviously I was pregnant and I was struggling um you know obviously it's you know he's not going to remember that and I was around I just couldn't carry him about as much um but well it's so hard though I, I can totally understand yeah um but other than I mean other than that obviously the, the pregnancy was was progressing fine um you know other than other than that and it was not something that the midwives were worried about it's just a it's just a thing you have to deal with unfortunately I feel like guilt with the second baby is such a thing like although I think you have to just you have to remind yourself that I know that I'm not being as present as I may be if I wasn't pregnant but I am giving them the best gift I will ever ever give them <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Someone said that to me, actually, they said the greatest gift you can give your, ba- give your baby is a sibling, which I love. And, you know, I'm really close to my sisters and my husband's really close to his brother and sister. So I know that that's yeah. true. So, yes, it was all 100% worth it. So nice. So what was the plan then? You obviously had your um, hypnotherapy and you'd sort of gone over your birth with Alexander. Did you want to sort of have an elective c-section or did you want to go for a v-back did you know much about v-backs um so i knew that they were a thing um i knew that you know kind of they were a possibility so i went in my first appointment with my midwife at what is it eight ten weeks and said if it's a possibility i want to try for a v-back um because it's it's a really silly thing but Obviously, given the circumstances, the C-section was absolutely essential and required first time round. But there was still some part of me that felt really disappointed that I hadn't been able to give birth naturally. So I wanted to, I was like, if it's possible, I want to try for a VBAC. And they said all the way through, because the um, C-section the first time round was because of a problem with the baby and also because I had laboured and um you know kind of started dilating and all the rest of it naturally well not naturally because I had the drip but because I was going through it my body knew what to do so they said there's no reason yeah exactly Mm -hmm. they said there's no reason for you not to try basically 
but they said if you change your mind at any point and decide that actually no you want uh, an elective c-section that is also okay so but obviously because having had a c-section the first time around i think they're very happy for you to have an elective mm-hmm. the second time around if that's what you want so basically i had all the options on the table so amazing that you good. wanted to go for it and like felt like i can do this yeah it was it was something i felt really strongly about and I really, really wanted to give it a try, um, you know, and, and also I was going into this with my eyes completely open. I knew what might happen. Um, and actually, I said, I mean, I said to everybody, like, my priority is I, that I mm-hmm. want to be present when my baby is born. So that's the priority. Um, but I would like to um, try for a VBAC if possible. Amazing. And how was your, I should have asked this before I moved on to Israel, but how was your scar? Was um is it is it i haven't obviously got a c-section sar is it sensitive or how how does it feel and how did it feel like when your Mm. um belly was stretching you again being pregnant it it was it was obviously sensitive at the beginning um but actually it heals pretty quickly and um you know it it's tiny when you look at it you're like i can't believe a baby came out of that it's so it's such a small scar um but yeah it it did it healed it healed fine and like i um they give you some like um, recommendations for kind of like massage and stuff to do on it to help the scarring and stuff so I did all that mm. um actually when I was um when I was pregnant again the only difference was it the scar went really dark um but it didn't it didn't feel any different it just the scar ah. went really dark and that's a it's a hormone thing apparently um, and it's gone back now it's um again it's really kind of faint now oh cool and so how did your pregnancy progress? So did you um, breach your due date with Isabel? No, nope, no. Nope. She ah. was a nice kind of early surprise. <laughs> so thank God. Oh, no way. Um, but actually, so, I mean, she was, compl- it was completely different to Alexander. So four days before she was born, so this would have been, so she was uh, three days early. So this was so a week early. I was starting to get um, what felt very strongly like contractions. They were getting, um, so I was, I was sat downstairs and they were kind of progressing over the course of the evening. I was getting strong, tightening feelings in my, it was mainly in my back actually. And when I had been in having contractions with Alexandra, they had been mainly in my back. That's mainly where I've been feeling them. And so I was feeling them in my back and they were lasting for a bit and then going away and like coming back, going away. And I thought, right, this is it. Call my mother-in-law. This was about 10 o'clock at night as well. So I was like, oh, God, get a call. She, she needs to come. So she came over. She, you know, she got to us about half 11, something like that. And by this point, I was like, I'm just going to go to bed. I'm going to see if I can get some sleep because I might have a kind of long, long night ahead of me. Went to bed. Woke up in the morning. Nothing has happened. Oh. I'd gone to sleep. Woke up in the morning. Nothing has that happened. And they'd gone away. What the heck? So so frustrating so felt really guilty for dragging my mother-in-law out in the middle of the night (laughs) to obviously come and look after Alexander um and that pattern continued for the next three days I have heard I've seen this before where it's just like your body like getting ready so it's just like these fake starts but that is just it's so cruel (laughs) it was it was really it was frustrating more than anything else I mean they weren't they weren't painful they were intense but they weren't painful exactly mm. um but I was just I was just excited was like oh this might be it this might be it but I was like hesitant to call my yeah. mother-in-law obviously this time I was like I'm gonna wait until I'm, I'm sure 
before yeah we i was gonna that. say did you call her every time <laughs> no she may as well just stay over for a week so when did the real deal start how did you know the difference so so that would have been on the saturday um and so by the time we got to tuesday um so i'd taken alexander to nursery so he goes to nursery on a tuesday and just throughout the day they were getting there was just it felt different they um were getting stronger and longer and to the point where i was like oh, i'm gonna go and get in the bath um again it was all in my back i take his paracetamol um, I was I'm getting in the bath and I'd had an app that I was timing my contractions. And so it got to the point mm-hmm. where the app was like, you're in labor. And I went, I started to panic at that point. I was like, oh no, oh no, I can't, no, I'm not ready. Oh, bless um, you. Despite having had four yeah. days of it, I just panicked at that point. I was like, oh no, what do I do? Um, so that would have been about, two o'clock in the afternoon yeah no it's intense it's so confronting it is it is it's, it's quite overwhelming um and um yeah so my husband was working from home so he was in the house while this was all going on like, i think i went to him about two three o'clock in the afternoon and i was like okay i think you need to stop working now i think things are happening um and um we went down into my living room and i closed all the curtains and lit all my candles and put my hypnobirthing music on and just sat on my ball oh, for gorgeous. Like an, yeah for like an hour and a half two hours something like that before we got to the point where I was like no I, I think you know we'll give the hospital a call at least um so I um yeah called the hospital and they said to come in um and it actually worked the timing actually worked out perfectly because I was like well Alexander needs to be picked up from nursery in about an hour so actually we called my mother-in-law and like can you go and pick him up that was always the plan that she was going to go and get him and take her back to her house so that this all works perfectly and i'll go to the hospital um and yes yeah, so i got to the hospital about five o'clock um and then i was sent to triage um which is obviously where they kind of you know just make sure that you are actually in labor um and that i was sat on the bed in triage for about two hours waiting for someone to come and examine me because every time it got to the point like literally the midwife would be there like gloves on ready to go and then you would hear someone practically giving birth outside the room and then everybody was away again oh my god um so i mean it was you know obviously it was frustrating that i wasn't being checked but actually by this point i was like i knew i was in labor you know the contractions were regular they were strong um I, I didn't feel again at this point I needed anything, any like pain relief or anything like that. So that at that point I was feeling fine. I just wanted to make sure that everything was kind of progressing okay. Um, and so eventually they checked me. And sorry, at, just quickly, how well, come? Yeah. Um, sorry, sorry, I just interrupted you. But I was just going to ask, how come you went to the hospital as opposed to the birthing centre, or was did you have to go to the hospital because of your previous emergency C-section? Or did you just feel more comfortable? Yes, yeah, so I had to go. No, I had I had to go to the hospital and I had to be on the labour ward. Okay. Um, so obviously, um, at my hospital they had um, they have a birthing unit at the hospital, but they also have a labour ward. Um, but you are automatically categorised as high risk after you've had a C section because there is it's a slim chance, but there is a chance of 
um, your scar rupturing. So they you're you're monitored. So you have to be hooked up to all the machines and stuff. So um, you know that you wouldn't be able to have a water birth. You wouldn't be able to kind of really wander around the room. A lot. I mean, you can move about, but not you know as much as if you're you know on the birthing unit or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. That's why I had to go. To Got you. And did you have, how were you trying to manage your pain? Were you like moving around at all? Or I don't know if you had like a TENS machine or anything like that. No. So all, so all the time I was in triage, I was just doing my hypnobirthing breathing. Um, so I'd, I, yeah, I was doing my breathing. I was listening to my music. And actually I was just really calm at that point. I was just really calm and really excited. Um, and um, yeah, so when they eventually checked me, I was five centimeters oh so good so um yeah so that was great I was like this is brilliant because it probably only really kicked in about two o'clock in the afternoon so this was now seven so I was like well this is great so went up to the um went up to the labor ward um kind of got settled in our room we've got candles and we've got um like I've got like a room scent things got that all set up I've got pictures of Alexander because I remember someone saying that um, you know it's all good for the oxytocin to have pictures of your baby yeah, absolutely. which I was like that's such a nice idea so I had pictures of Alexander with me um and the the midwife was brilliant I, I still remember her name was Georgia and she was absolutely fantastic and she went and like sourced all the candles that she could like those electric candles she sourced all of those ones that she could find and considering I was on labor ward and like, I was strapped up to the machines it was as close to that kind of nice kind of hypnobirthing setting that you birthing sort of vibe. like exactly like the dark lights all that kind of stuff um oh, and good. at this point I wanted some gas in there so they gave me some gas in there and that's really just for the next three and a half hours that's just how I was I was just I remember for most of it I was just stood next to the bed leaning out they raised the bed up and I was leaning over the bed with my gas and air Alex, uh, Alexander Edward rubbing my back like he would put like pressure on my lower back because that's particularly where I was feeling the feeling the pain um and then so I've been really really calm up until that point and then I needed the loo and I went to the loo and because I had to obviously like to drop the gas and air at that point like when I went to the toilet I had like a full-blown contraction without any um, pain relief and that's when I had a big wobble I came out and I was like I want an epidural and um, the midwife actually looked at me and she was like okay um, she was like oh you've been so calm up until now let me just go and see if the anesthetist around she went out and I think obviously she knew that I was in transition which yeah, is I knew you were um, gonna say that. you know the phase between yeah, you know, the the phase between <laughs> when you're contracting be- before when you're going to have the baby, which apparently is, you know, that's obviously when lots of women go through a bit of a funny five minutes and, you know, panic and all the rest of it. Yeah, I think loads of people get like, I need to go home. Like, people will just be like, right, I can't do this. I'm leaving. And the midwives are like, <laughs> yeah. it's not going to be long now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, so she checked me and um, she, she said before she checked, she checked me, she was like, if you're um you know kind of ready to go are you happy to shall we just like shall we just have this baby and I was like yeah we'll just we'll do it let's see where we got to and she checked me and she was like yeah you're you're fully dilated baby's coming and um (laughs) I I bet that felt amazing yeah and 
it did but you know there was just one tiny bit in the back of my mind that went you know how to push that this baby out like you could have had an elective <laughs> that, is the scary, Why you doing that is so scary i had the exact same realization i was at 10 centimeters and i said well, how am I going to push it out? I need an epidural to push the baby out. <laughs> they were like, it's too late. <laughs> no, it's not possible now. Um, and so, yeah, I um, I got up, I, they, I got up on my knees on the back of my bed. And so this was about quarter to 11. And she was born 20 minutes later. Oh, my God. Um, how how know, did you find you, pushing then? few pushes. Do you know, it's funny. Like, it was only when I actually started pushing and I, I made this mooing noise. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, baby is coming. Because, because someone told me, like, there's this real, like, instinctive moo when you're, when you're having your baby. And it's so true. Yeah. Um, actually, I found that. I, 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 that bit I found, I found fine. I didn't find that bit particularly painful. Um, I, the contractions were worse for me um, but yeah again I just had my gas in there so I just yeah just powered through it um, there was only one little bit like just she was almost out she was obviously kind of very low in the birth canal and she just got a bit stuck um, and like some more people have come in and I could hear someone talking about oh we might need to get the forceps and that, my brain went no I'm not doing forceps and the midwife said to me, she was like, you're going to have to push if you don't want the forceps. And she was out a couple of pushes after that. So, oh my yeah, God, I did it. so amazing. Oh, well done. Honestly, that is so, so gorgeous. I'm so, so happy for you. You know, and, the, and her birth was the, the thing I needed to get over Alexander's. It was the most empowering, beautiful moment of my life. And... It absolutely erased any pain, any trauma, anything I'd had from Alexander's birth. It was just magic. So lovely. And so she she came out. Did they put? Did you get get her straight away? Straight away, yeah. So she cried straight away, and um, yeah, she was put on me straight away. Um, she didn't feed as quickly as Alexander did. So like it wasn't immediate, but within an hour or so, she was feeding. Yeah, and, yeah she was just she was perfect and she was yeah she was everything we wanted she was you know exact and the birth was I could not have asked for better like given what I've gone on before couldn't have asked for better so amazing that you deserved it and you, you did the work and you know you did everything you could to get that birth and you got it yeah it was it was wonderful I mean, honestly even now two two years later i'm still on cloud nine from it yeah i feel like if you could probably and obviously you love alexander equally but if you if there was any day you could ever redo in your life it'd be that one <laughs> yeah 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 i you know i still you know it's still so sad for me that <laughs> it's weird even they were in pain all day <laughs> yeah i know i know and it's just yeah it's um it was it was magical yeah it was wonderful Best experience of my life giving birth to her. Bless you. It must be bittersweet because you're so happy that you had that with Isabel, but also just like, oh, I wish I had had that with Alexander too. Yeah, yeah, I, of course. And, you know, I, obviously I would have loved to have had the birth like that with him. And it wasn't meant to be, but, you know, he is, he's, he was healthy and, they did what they needed to do to get him out 
um and you know like i said it's, you know it did take some time it did take some time to get over but actually it was it was actually having the birth that i wanted the second time round which which is what did it i think oh it's magic um how is it being in hospital then with isabel and i can't imagine being in the hospital with a new baby and your first baby being at home i bet, I bet you really missed him I did. I really missed him. So he was with my mother-in-law. So I knew he was happy and safe and she was sending pictures and stuff. Um, so we knew he was all right. So, um, so cause Isabel was born at 11 PM. Um, and also with her, my waters broke just as I was starting to push. And again, there was meconium in my waters with her. So thank God my waters didn't break hey. earlier because there might have been all sorts of other interventions, yeah. but, um, because there was meconium in the water, they just wanted to, keep her in for 12 hours just to make sure that she was all right um mm-hmm. but actually after after she was born um I actually got my own room which was lovely my husband went home and we knew from the first time I was like go home get a good night's sleep because it, someone needs to be coming into this on a good night's sleep um so I didn't mind him going home I was like I know I'm doing it. this is fine um and so when they came around like in the morning when I came around in the morning, you know, obviously they would check that she was feeling okay, which she was, um, you know, check that she'd you know, done a wee and whatever. Um, and yeah, so I went home about midday the following day. So I was only in for about 12 hours after she was born. Um, and then when we got home, so, um, so this was a Wednesday, Wednesday's my day off. So that's normally the day, a day that Alexander would be at home, but we asked my mother-in-law just to keep him for that day, just so we could have like a day at home to kind of settle in. And he came the next day and met his little sister the following day. How was that? It was, it was really sweet. He was, I think I was, I mean, he's only, he was only 23 months. So he was, you know, still really little. Um, I think he was just a bit confused by the whole thing. He was he was very interested in the baby, but he was more interested in the present that we'd got him, which was from the baby. So the baby had bought him a scooter, yes, and he was more idea. interested in the scooter. <laughs> Listen, that is so cute. And did he ever sort of have any je- jealousy or sort of anything like that when maybe when you were feeding her or anything like that? Yeah, it's when I was feeding her. Um, so if I had to hold her, um, well, yeah, so when I was feeding her, those were the kind of the times that it would come out. Obviously, he was just turning two. So I don't know how much of his behaviour was just being two or whether it was because he just had a new sibling. I suspect it probably be a bit of both. But we had a few wobblies. From yeah, him. so natural. Um, He's never had to share you before. So I'm sure it's... No, so absolutely. Um, it, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it was normal. And, you know, the first three months were pretty tough, having um, two so little. But after three months, everything just kind of settled down. And, you know, the baby gets easier. And, you know, he was kind of got used to having her around. Um, you know, it's, it wasn't easy at the beginning. But, um, yeah, it's lovely now. Having them so close in age is lovely. They're little best buddies. Well, well, about half the time. Half the time they're best buds, the other half the time they're fighting cats and dogs, but yeah. And how was Isabel's breastfeeding journey? Um, uh, do you know what? Even easier than Alexander's. She um, she just got it straight away, and I think maybe I was more confident with it, um, so I kind of knew how to get her to latch properly. So like with Alexandra, if he latched at all, even if I knew it wasn't right, I, would, I was like, oh, we'll just let him feed. But with Isabel, I was like, no, that latch isn't right. It's going to hurt. So I would take her off, start again. 
<clears throat> so she, you know, again, the breastfeeding just was very easy with her. I was, you know, again, very lucky. Um, but yeah, so she was, she was very easy. She was a dream. She was such an easy baby in comparison. So good with all the knowledge you built from having Alexander and breastfeeding with him. Um, and then you can use that all again the second time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it is easier the second time around. You know what you're doing. Bless you. So good. Well, I'm just, I'm just so pleased you got your bee back and that it was super healing for you and you got your two gorgeous kids. Yeah, no, it was lovely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so nice chatting to you. I've been wanting to hear this story for a long time. <laughs> so thank you so, so much. Oh, no, it's been lovely to share it. And, you know, like, like I said, it's, I, I hope it's, people don't think it's too scary, but, it's, you know, it's extremely rare that something like that happens. Um, but, you know, I think it's important that people know that it's, you know, that is something that might happen. But, yeah, it was, uh, so it all came well in the end. Bless you. Yeah, I totally agree. It's good to be educated on all the things that can happen and just knowing what's, what's going on. So, yeah, thank you for being so honest. Oh, no, of course. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It was a really special one. I think it's so important to highlight the VBACs and the amazing experiences you can go on to have after having something that was um, quite traumatic for you. So next week, I'm actually speaking to Bethany Swanscott. Um, she is a lovely influencer over on Instagram and TikTok. You should give her a follow. She does all things family, food, cooking. Um, yeah, she's great. Go see her, give her a follow, and we will hear her birth stories next week. So thanks so much, and see you then.